Today on Locked on A's, we are going over the A's 2023 Hall of Fame inductees. Let's get into it. You are Locked on A's, your daily Oakland A's podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Stepping to the mic, it's your host, Jason Burke. How's it going, A's fans? And welcome to episode 462 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke. And on today's show, we're talking about Jason Giambi and Carney Lansford and Gene Tennis and the voice of God, Roy Steele. And we're also going to learn some things about Bob Johnson. So that's what we got coming up for you guys today. Thank you so much for making Locked On A's your first lesson of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. Also, make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you like to hear podcasts. Again, on all platforms, including YouTube. So subscribe to our YouTube channel and also follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at by Jason B on Twitter. If you guys have any questions for us, join our Twitter community and just pose a question in there. Share some A's articles, get some conversation going. It's a good time with lots of good people. But let's talk about some good people that have played for or worked for the Oakland A's. And we're starting off. Jason Giambi gets an entire segment to himself. But uh, real quick, over the weekend, I got an email from the A's announcing next year's Hall of Fame class. So today we're talking a little bit about each person being inducted for next season. Uh, First off, the five members, as I previously mentioned, uh, of the class of 2023 are Jason Giambi, Carney Lansford, Gene Tennis, the voice of God, Roy Steele, and Bob Johnson. We're going to learn some stuff about Bob Johnson, you guys. Uh, So let's start off with the guy that most people are familiar with, uh, uh, and that would be Bob Johnson, obviously. Bob Johnson, or Indian Bob, as you may know him. I'm joking, you guys. Uh, That is actually his his nickname, his Indian Bob, because he has part Cherokee. But we are not starting off with Bob Johnson. We are talking about Jason Giambi. I mean... What, what do you want to know about Jason Giambi? He, he was really, really good, and he hit baseballs a lot, and then he went and played for the Yankees, and he seems like a good guy, so there's that. Uh, but let's talk about some numbers real quick. He hit 300 with a 406 on base and a 938 OPS on average across eight seasons with the A's from 1995 to 2001. And then another year, he played another season for the A's, which I always forget about for some reason. And that was in 2009 at the age of 38. Uh, He won the AL MVP award in 2000 while accumulating 7.8 wins above replacement. Uh, Pedro Martinez probably should have gotten the award because he was unreal that season. But uh, Giambi was robbed the following year in 2001 by Ichiro, so I'll take the one that Pedro should have won, and it's fine. Pedro doesn't really need that award, so whatever. But a random tangent in looking at the stats between Ichiro and Giambi. Uh, Statistically, how and why did Ichiro win the 2001 Rookie of the Year? Sorry, not even, he won the Rookie of the Year. Uh, Why did he win the AL MVP? He hit 350 
which is great. But Giambi hit 342 that season, and he had 300 points on Ichiro in OPS, 100 points in on-base. He had 30 more home runs, 50 more RBI. Giambi was just way better. And this is, you know, before, you know, StatCast and all that stuff was available or, you know, <laughs> widely accepted. Uh, war wasn't really a thing. So by the numbers, Giambi, by the counting stats, Giambi was a much better player than Ichiro in the year 2001. Uh, Ichiro did have 15 more runs scored than Jason Giambi, and that might have been uh, the straw that broke the camel's back to the voters that year. I don't know. So we'll, we'll give him that. He also played the outfield, which, you know, his defense was very good in the year 2001. Uh, and that throw to nail Terrence Long at the beginning of the season uh, probably... Just it's still ingrained in people's memories. So I assume the people were still talking about that when voting season came around, and maybe that's what did it. It was like, ah, they're close, and Giambi just won last year. Voter fatigue, blue. Yeah, how about Ichiro? I don't know. Weird. But Giambi was robbed in 2001, and I'm gonna now. Now that I know of that, uh, I'm gonna die on that hill. That is my mountain. Uh, anyways, but the uh, the 2019 that Giambi was a part of at the age of 38 had some names on it. That was the Matt Holiday season, so Houston Street and Carlos Gonzalez were gone, but Giambi was brought in to play first base. Uh, A's current hitting coach, Tommy Everidge, was on that team for a minute. Nomar Garcia Parra was the DH at the age of 35. Uh the, the A's were still chasing that Frank Thomas magic after the 2006 season by bringing in some of these guys. Well, Jason Giambi was 38, and he had played for the team already, but Nomar Garcia-Para, he's going to be the next guy that propels us to the ALCS, and that did not happen. Uh, Eric Chavez was nearly done with his six-year contract extension with the A's. Kurt Suzuki, who notably is retiring at the end of the season, uh, and the A's get to face the Angels two more times this season. Uh, he was in his third season with the Oakland A's in the year 2009. So lots of guys. There was more guys. on Ryan Sweeney, I didn't even mention, but I loved Ryan Sweeney. He was my favorite for a while. I still have his jersey hanging in my closet. It's old and gross. Um, but Jason Giambi provided a lot of memories that were just great for A's fans. And we all have our own, so I'm not going to go over all of the memories that everybody has. But uh, he was arguably the biggest bona fide star that we have seen in the Oakland uniform in the Billy Bean era. I mean, probably since Ricky would be my guess. Uh, Joannis Espinas would be the only other guy that I probably put in that r rough category. Um, and Espinas wasn't, you know, as good at the baseball aspect, he was still a star, but he wasn't uh, putting up the same numbers as Jason Giambi, maybe because he didn't have as much help. I don't know. But uh, I just thought that it was funny that both of the guys that I would say would be the biggest stars of the Billy Bean era, Jason Giambi and Yohan Assessment, both ended up playing in New York because that they were big stars. That That's how that works. But I think that my main memory of Jason Giambi here was when the A's were trying to get him into the All-Star game one of the years. I don't remember which one. Uh, I don't know how we got it, but it, it could have been a giveaway. Maybe my dad got it at a merch stand. I'm not sure. Uh, but we, we ended up getting a Vote Giambi button that just lived in my dad's car. And it was clipped to his sun visor. And I remember seeing that every day on the way to school and being like, that's really cool. I really hope that he gets it. And then I, I it was there for years, I believe. Um, and I, I don't know 
why the A's don't do stuff like that. Because it was really fun when the A's actually tried to promote their stars, you know, with like marketing and getting people to like get excited and invested in the team. It was it was a good time. But uh, for those of you that were not fans back then, Giambi was a mega talent. And when he became a free agent, he signed with the Yankees for seven years and $120 million. And that was a big Big contract back then, you guys. Uh, not not quite like Alex Rodriguez, 10 years, 252, but this is the next level down from that. And, that, and that's because Alex Rodriguez was a free agent at like 24 or something. He was a very young free agent and a very talented player. So that is, uh, that's how he got that contract. But if you've seen Moneyball, you know that the A's went out after Giambi departed via free agency. It's kind of the crux of the whole movie. And uh, they, they signed Chris Pratt to play first base, and then he got a, a big home run to seal the A's 20th consecutive victory during the 2002 season, the year after Giambi left for New York. And so the, the A's were fine. They they did great. They went on to so many great ALDS losses from there on. What a good time. But uh, Giambi was just great. And I know he's still some A's fans' favorite player that they grew up with. Because, you know, I was a little too young, I think, for Ricky. And so Giambi was like that first guy that I was like, wow, he's really good. And he could hit anything. He could hit it far. And he had long hair and tattoos. He was awesome. And I'm very excited to see him back at the Coliseum next year. So congrats to Jason Giambi for getting nominated, I guess. And then also uh, elected to the A's Hall of Fame. I don't know what the process is. I think they just find out who can who can clear their schedule and then they, they show up. But uh, coming up, we're talking about Gene Tennis and Carney Lansford. So uh, we got some more legend talk coming up. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. Baseball, that's a sport. Football, that they play all the time. Also a sport. Some other sports, you got the NHL, you got the NBA, both are returning to action fairly soon so you can place bets on those sports as well and bet online is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events like baseball or mma or boxing golf also a sport so head on over to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more because bet online is where the game starts Welcome back to the Locked On Ace Podcast. If you guys are enjoying this show, make sure to subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts. We're on YouTube, so go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at by Jason B on Twitter. If you guys have any questions for us, join our Twitter community. Pose a question in there. I'll answer it right here on the show. It's a good time for everybody. It's free content for me. You guys get a, a, a question that is tickling your brains answered 
there you go. Boom. It, it's beneficial for everyone, but let's talk about Gene Tennis and Carney Lansford, starting with Gene Tennis, who was drafted by the A's in the 20th round of the first ever MLB draft in 1965 and ended his career with 46.8 wins above replacement in his 15-year career. He spent eight seasons with the A's and was a big part of their back-to-back-to-back World Series runs from 72 to 74, being named the MVP of the World Series in 1972 after hitting 348 with four home runs, nine RBI, and five runs scored. What a series! But if you look a little bit closer, two of those home runs were in game one of the 1972 World Series, and he accounted for all three of the A's runs in that one. one he had a two-run shot, he had a solo shot, there you go. That's three runs, he accounted for all of them. And without him, the A's might not win that series. He set the tone for the 1972 World Series. They didn't have Reggie Jackson, who was already one of their better players, and he, he was not available for that series. He had already hurt his leg earlier in the year, uh, maybe in the playoffs. I, I got to reread some A's history before I started talking about the 72 uh, series and all that, but I know that he wasn't there. So let's start. Let, let's just leave it at that. But uh, yeah, Gene Tennis stepped up. He was amazing, and those would be the only four home runs that he would hit in the postseason over his entire career. Talk about getting hot at the right time. He did it. He sealed the A's first of three. Well, maybe not sealed, but he started them off on the right on the right track for the first of three World Series championships in a row. And in his eight seasons with the A's, he averaged a 136 OPS plus, which is very similar to WRC plus. So 100 is average. Anything above that is that percent above league average. So he was 36% above league average in his eight seasons with the A's, which is roughly the career that Alex Bregman is currently having. So he was like the A's Alex Bregman. Uh, in 1976, he became a free agent and signed with the Padres, where he put up that same 136 OPS plus over the course of his four seasons with San Diego. So from 1969 to 1980, he was 36% above league average. That's from his age 22 to 33 seasons. Then he was traded from uh, San Diego to St. Louis, funnily enough, with Raleigh Fingers, former teammate, then future teammate, and then they, they made some stops together. He, he went to the Cardinals as well. And when Gene Tennis got to the Cardinals, he put up a 146 OPS plus in those two seasons. He also won his fourth World Series title with them in 1982. Gene Tennis, uh, he's one of those guys. Everybody from those World Series teams in the 70s is just a legend in Oakland. And uh, Gene Tennis getting his due, but that is one heck of a career that he had. Uh, not in the Hall of Fame. Weird. Uh, somebody should fix that. But let's talk about Kearney Lansford. And he is somebody that I vaguely remember watching as a kid, partially because he was my dad's favorite player uh, on that team. At least I, I think he was. It, it might have been, he might have been trying to be like trendy, like, well, everybody likes Ricky. I'll like Kearney Lansford instead, which is. I do that, so I assume that I got that from him. Um, but anyways, Cardinal Lansford's mustache was iconic. Is iconic? I don't know. I haven't seen him recently. So uh, if that mustache is not there, he has a year to grow it. If he doesn't have one now, he better have the mustache because that thing 
is iconic. Uh, Carney was actually drafted by the Angels in the third round of the 1975 draft and finished third in the Rookie of the Year voting with the Halos in 1978. After being traded to the Red Sox in 1980, he was traded by Boston to the A's in 1982, but the A's had to give up Tony Armas to do it. Tony Armas had been a very good player for the A's. He had power. He had speed. He could do everything. He had a cannon in right field. He was good, and they had to give him up to get Carney Lansford, and uh, it turned out being an okay trade for the A's because Lansford spent the final 10 years of his of his uh, career with the A's and averaged a 288 batting average with a 343 on base and his big year in the green and gold was you guessed it 1989 the last time the A's won a world series and he hit 336 that season with a 398 on base but he also only had two home runs and partially because the A's had plenty of pop throughout their lineup and he was never a big home run guy he never hit 20 home runs I don't believe but they had plenty of pop in their lineup with like Maguire and Canseco and uh, Hendu and all those guys. Um, but the most impressive thing, this this led me to, hey, so did he strike out? No, no, he didn't. Uh, and that is super impressive to me because in those 10 seasons, he struck out more than 50 times twice in 10 seasons. 50 is not a high bar, you guys. That is a very low bar, and he stayed underneath it in 8 of 10 seasons. Uh, one of those seasons was in 1984 when he struck out a, a hole 62 times in 597 at-bats. And then the other time was in 1986 when he struck out 51 times in 591 at-bats. He made contact, and... I talked about it yesterday. The guys that the A's have been targeting of late have been more contact-oriented players that don't strike out a ton. It reminded me a lot of Kearney Lansford, honestly. So uh, maybe I'll do a comparison at some point, but I'll have to learn more about Kearney Lansford in order to do that. But anyways, uh, when people reflect on the 1989 season when the A's last won their World Series, Kearney Lansford usually is not one of the first names that comes up but he ranked third in a war on the team that season behind only Mike Moore and Ricky Henderson. Those are the only two players that had more wins above replacement than Carney Lansford. He was more valuable than Dave Stewart, more than Big Mac, more than Ken Seiko, more than Dennis Eckersley. Carney Lansford, number three on that team in wins above replacement. And uh, he, he kept going in the World Series because he hit 438 in the 1989 World Series, and he also walked three times to give him an on-base percentage of 526 in those four games, the four-game sweep of the San Francisco Giants. And, oh yeah, he hit his third home run of the season in Game 3 of the World Series as well. What a career for Cardi Lansford. Very excited to be welcoming him and Gene Tennis and Jason Giambi into the A's Hall of Fame. And then we got two more guys who I'm also excited about, but I haven't told you about them yet, so I haven't expressed my excitement. Let's talk about them here next. Welcome back to the Locked On A's podcast. If you guys are enjoying the show, make sure to hit subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts. Leave us a five-star review on your platform of choice. I don't care which one it is, just five stars, wherever it is. Uh, and also make sure to follow us on social media, at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at ByJasonB on Twitter. Uh, but let's talk about the guy that really made 
being an A's fan fun, not from a player standpoint, but from just an experience standpoint, and that is Roy Steele, who I have said many times, the voice of God was his nickname, and I... I kind of want to just make that his entire moniker is the voice of God, comma, Roy Steele. That's what I want, because he was the voice of my childhood at the Coliseum, much like Dick Callahan was the voice of me coming of age with the A's at the Coliseum. Um, those two guys just were, were everything, and I haven't been to as many games with Amelia, but I, I can hear her on TV. She's doing a great job as well. Just haven't been to as many games because, one, COVID, and two, baby. So uh, one of these days, I will. And it'll be great. And then she will. She's going to be the voice of my son's childhood because we're going to be going to so many A's games. It's going to be a great time. But let's get back to Roy Steele because he started working for the A's in their first season in Oakland in 1968 and only missed five games until he decided to step away from full-time duty in 2005. He stepped away completely a few years later in 2008. But uh, when people talk about how about baseball and how it connects generations, uh, especially if a team is playing at the same venue like the A's or the Red Sox or the Dodgers or whoever. If, if you're at the same place and you're hearing the same voices like the PA announcer or like a Vin Scully for the Dodgers on, on TV or on the radio, um, it, it's, it's guys like Roy Steele and those people like Vin Scully that really help connect those generations. It brings it from, you know, my grandpa to my dad to me. And we all heard the same voice at the Coliseum for years of our lives. And it was always the same Coliseum. I'm sure they make upgrades every now and then. There's a ribbon board. Ah, uh, but you know, it's, it's the same place I and mean, you get the same general feel. Sometimes they, they update the venue slightly for, you know, technology and whatnot, but it, it is, that's special. I think, and that's what Roy Steele means to me. It, it, it's a connection with my grandpa and my dad, um, and he was he was special. And I really, I liked hearing him a lot. And every now and then, I go on YouTube. There's a uh, a video on there called "This Is Oakland," uh, and it's just Roy Steele doing a two minute voiceover about the Coliseum, and it's amazing. And it gets me really excited. So uh, go go look up the the video on YouTube. You, you'll get chills. It's a great time. Um, I. I just think that a guy like Roy Steele or, you know, currently Amelia Schimmel, they connect the generations, and I think that's pretty cool. And Roy Steele is going to be uh, definitely remembered. He passed away in 2020, um, and we're gonna we're gonna have fun celebrating him next year. But uh, let, let's wrap this one up by talking about Bob Johnson because that is not a name that I was familiar with. So uh, finding out a little bit about him was interesting to me. First off, I'm, I'm going to say it again because it's the most interesting thing about him. Uh, his nickname, as listed on Baseball Reference, is Indian Bob. Legitimately, because he was part Cherokee. I believe he was half Cherokee. So uh, we're off to a good start on everything you need to know about Bob Johnson. Um, he played 10 seasons with the Philadelphia A's from 1933 to 1942. Those were his age 27 to 36 seasons. In those 10 seasons, he was named to the All-Star Game five times and placed in the MVP voting three times. Uh, he, he wasn't very high, but he placed. He was on the ballot and got his name checked and all that stuff, so he did a good job there. The A's had just started to be bad. They, they sold off Al Simmons like the year before he got there. It was part of the, the great sell-off that, you know, Connie Mack would do. Uh, they won a couple of World Series. Then they started sucking, and they 
you know, selling guys for cash, just so Connie Mack could, you know, keep going, I guess. Um, but he, they, they had just started to be bad when he made it to the big leagues, and he never got closer with the A's than 19 and a half games back of first, and that was in his first season. Uh, by his final season with the club, they were finishing 48 games back fairly regularly. They were never close, and Bob Johnson still showed up to the park every day. And I was like, "Ah, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go hit, because that's what I can do. That's all I know how to do." And he did. He also could throw the guys out and play a good uh, outfield. But you know, hey, he can also hit. Uh, he was traded to the Senators, where he finished fifth in the MVP voting before getting traded to the Red Sox the following year, where he would place the MVP race both of those seasons as well. Uh, he was an all-star in each of his final three seasons away from the A's. And Johnson uh, didn't make his big league debut until he was 27 because he had struggled in a few of his minor league tryouts. Uh, he just... Got nervous, I guess, but uh, he was a good power hitter for the day, and he hit for a high average, and he finished his career hitting 296, which is solid. I mean, that's yeah, kind of what they did back then, but still solid, I think. And uh, I think that it's funny because he had a, a brother who also played in the major leagues who also finished with a career 296 batting average, but uh, Bob Johnson, the A's Bob Johnson, uh, was definitely more well regarded than his brother, even though they both hit 296. All right, but that's all that I got for you guys today. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we're going to be talking about the A's game that's happening tonight, so that'll be fun. And then we're going to be talking maybe about Seth Brown playing center field and what that means just in general, because I got some thoughts about that. Uh, it depends on how many how many fun things happen during the game, but that's definitely a topic that I got coming for you guys later this week. So make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you like to get podcasts. And uh, also, thank you so much for making Locked On A's your first listen today. Now, go make your second listen the Locked on MLB podcast because baseball expert Paul Francis Sullivan, he brings humor and passion and a unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast Locked on MLB. They're on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts as well as uh, us. We're also in those places as well. Uh, so subscribe and uh, give us a five-star review. Uh, that's that's all that I got there. So make sure to follow us on social media. Locked on A's on Twitter and Instagram. I am at by Jason B. But that's all I got for you guys on today's show. So until next time, go out and celebrate good times, A's fans. And I will talk at you tomorrow.